Live from the heart of gold, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Hello, welcome to Derail Trains of Thought, episode 39. That's We're right. almost over the hill. <laughs> we are getting over the hill. <laughs> hey, I just had a birthday, so don't be talking about that. <laughs> I'm going to have a birthday, and I'm older than you are. So, um, hello. We're back um, with your premier storytelling podcast, or podcast about storytelling. Technically, we don't actually tell stories on here very often. No, not as often as we probably should. Well, it would be a good idea occasionally. Yeah, but. yeah. Um, so, so where are we? What is this place? Now? Well, all I see right now is we got a, like a million monkeys typing out Hamlet on typewriters. That seems very unlikely. It does seem very unlikely, but it's uh, more likely than you would think here on the heart of gold. On the heart of gold, it's yeah. a, it's a very now is I I, I it's very strange <laughs> me asking what the description of this ship is because I'm standing in it obviously. Well, it is, keeps changing as we're watching. So is the, is the whole thing made of gold? No, well, it might be for a second or two, but oh, okay. just when it I was goes online, say, it doesn't look like gold right now. No, I mean when they when they in, when they engage in probability drive, um, anything can happen. Okay, that's why it keeps changing from like pink to fuchsia mm, to yeah. green to to polka dot plaid and yeah, polka dot yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean that's 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 the best of the changes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the one time my arms were molasses, that was kind of interesting, but like literally not like figuratively. Well, Okay, well, we, we we better get through this before we get turned into some... Yeah, luckily, we're, 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 we're in real space right now, just kind of chilling. So, you know, I have my towel, so we're set. And so. you know what? I think we just heard the uh, the uh, Project Update jingle. <laughs> I forgot about that again. Oh, Tim. <laughs> it's not your fault. It's the drive's fault. And so. That's true. It is a drive's fault. Anyway, let's do, go into story school. Okay. Darn that improbability drive. <laughs> so, re- real quick, before I forget, I wanted to also mention that we are also derailed trains of scheduling. <laughs> because we said, I think we've promised once or twice or n- numerous times to try to be every other thir- or once a month on Thursday. Yes. This, here here case, it is Monday. Again. Unless you're actually with us on this ship, it's probably not Thursday. Thursday. It is occasionally here, but... Yeah, well, if you're listening live, it is. We may have this out by Thursday, yeah, so that's then true. they would be listening on Thursday. Ah, see, that's how we'll get around it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so our topic today Yeah, is... you better set this up, because this is your idea. Yeah, this was my idea, and it's kind of confusing to start I, I with. I claim no responsibility. So if you hate it... Um, it's Nick's fault. It's my fault, yes. So, anyways, I was, I guess I'll, I'll title it Drama Logic versus or versus just Normal Logic. Okay. Like, Story Logic versus Normal Logic. I kind of feel like this is going to be like a, a blended mix of some of our previous topics. Well, I'm trying but... to keep it separate. And I, I guess <laughs> here's here's my thought. Uh, this We wanted to distinguish this from like, hmm. Okay, let me just give you an example. That's going to be the best the best way. <laughs> and these are on continuum. I had it all in my head before we started podcasting. So, for instance, I was watching the show Revolution, which I don't know if anyone else, else watches on, but I, I still watch it. And they have... The, the American patriots are kind of the bad guys, and um, they're in Texas right now. And our main characters are trying to get away from the patriots and foil the patriots and all this other stuff. And it turns out two or three times the last couple episodes, someone close to them is suddenly, like, secretly a patriot with, like, no warning whatsoever. Mm. 
and it makes great like oh that's interesting you know twist people love twists on tv now you know out of curiosity because yeah. i haven't watched the show in quite a while were these characters that had been on the show since the beginning no did they in this case no one of them okay. had been on well both of them been on since the beginning of the season Oh, okay. So I mean, it's not like a full 360. It's not like, say, you have main characters, you've been running on three seasons, and suddenly they're Cylons for no good reason. But um, Which has happened. Which has happened. <laughs> um, and I guess here's my thing. Within story context, twists are great, surprises are great, even stretching of logic for the sake of not being realistic, which we've talked about previously. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I think and I could be wrong, more and more drama logic, story logic, trumps normal logic. That as long as it makes good conflict, you don't have to worry about the details. And I think there are dangers going too far with that idea. Granted, I understand, you know, you make a half-hour show, you want everything to be as dramatic as possible, you're compressing it. I guess I wanted to talk about, you know, the dangers or the, you know, of... Everyone's watched a show or read a book when you're just like, What? Not like good what, not like a, you know. When there's a bad twist. When there's like... a bad twist, or or even like, you didn't see the, there was no setup, and I think that's what it comes down to sometimes. Um, the Cylon one. Oh, just so you know, if you watch Mouser Galactica, I like to pick on. I mean, it's a very good show, and I like to pick <laughs> as, on it. As much as we tried to defend Lost on this episode on this podcast, Nick probably tries to uh, nitpick Mouser Galactica <laughs> just about as much. Here, I guess honestly, here's the reason it comes up so often because it's probably I don't watch a lot of TV shows, so I don't have a not as much to say your brother. N- not as much to say my brother. That's true, and also it was one of the shows I watched all the way through, and was a really good show and annoyed me because there were these things I felt like, why did you do that? Hmm. You know, because normally if a show does that, I don't watch it, uh, you know? <laughs> right. Um, it, you had been following it, going with it long yeah. enough that. And there was, little... and there was a lot of good stuff about it. So, yeah. Um, but you know, the result, there's like 12 Cylon types models. And the, you know, for like, I think it's end of season three, they'd still not found, we'd seen like seven of them. And suddenly, five, well, four, I don't remember, four or five of our main characters and a couple minor characters ended up being Cylons. They just discovered it themselves. They didn't know it. I think why the show can pull it off and why it's not like one of those things everyone just throws down and say, this is dumb, is because the show was always examining sort of the, what it means to be human and this sort of, are we all, I mean, I think the, the sense that no one could even have possibly have guessed it was part of the reason people accept it because that's kind of, the sort of thing they were examining because people are unpredictable or, or, and, or just, yeah, just, yeah. but on another end, you could say, well, shouldn't there have been some hint, you know, but so it ends up being the Cylons are basically human except the robots. And then they have all these fights about them being robots instead of Cylons. And it's like, you're the same thing. Really? <laughs> I mean, that's what it came off to, to me. Yeah. Um, and so I guess it comes off to, you know, how far, you know, what is the, as a, say a storyteller, as opposed to a viewer, how far can you get away with throwing things in there that are like, you know, you throw them because, oh, that sounds like a good idea at the time. And it happens probably more on TV because they run it faster. I mean, yeah. a novel, you don't do it as often. Or con- continuing stories. Continuing stories. Yeah, you're like, you, yeah, yeah, you have to keep it exciting. You know, soap operas do it, you know. Oh, what? You have an evil twin? <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that idea. Yeah. You know, that once you get past the initial shock of, that's ridiculous, that makes good story. Yeah. But is it worth doing those initial so- shocks? 
you know, pulling the person out of the claw, you know. It like, is... even even our, you know, we always like Bible on five, J. Michael Straczynski. I, I always thought it was particularly strange. Everyone wants you to do something kind of like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Lockley, having been married to Sheridan, I always thought, like, what? <laughs> We've seen Sheridan for, like, four seasons. He's always talking about, you know, I guess yeah. there's no reason he would have mentioned it. But it still seems a little, like, you just wrote that in there. <laughs> Zach and I, when we were talking about the revolution thing, yeah. we're always, we were like, we feel like they wrote that in right then because mm-hmm. it sounded good. It doesn't feel like it was set up. Well, I kind of feel like, and this may just be me defending J. Michael yeah. a lot, but I kind of feel like any time that happened in Babylon 5, it was usually out, something that happened outside of his control that happened. Like with Because with Lockley, you could say he hadn't really even a plan to need Lockley originally. She was written in because Ivanova wasn't in the last season. No, and I, and I, and I get that. And that's the thing. This is what I'm talking I guess I'm, I brought this subject up again. I'm kind of torn about it because it makes sense to... You can defend any of these things. Oh, yeah. Um, well, like we were just talking before we started recording about the recent twist that was introduced in Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Which, if you know, if you're not watching and you don't want to spoil it, this is a big one. But, so, you know, we were talking earlier, like last episode, about Peter Pan, and then they just, they just revealed that Peter Pan was actually Rumpelstiltskin's father that had been, like, converted to be a kid again. Yeah. And it was okay. So on one hand, it it totally makes sense in the sense that Rumple was basically following the pattern of his father's mistakes, you know, sins of your father and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But on the other hand, it it just makes the overcomplicated family tree of Once Upon a Time all that more ridiculous and soap opera. Yeah, honestly, it does everything have to be connected back. Now yeah. the thing with that one, you know, and you know, and this is on the continuum that. I would argue it feels less egregious of a of a connection because they you could tell that they've there are clues that they had meant to do it all along. Yeah, they really were. I mean, like as as ridiculous as it was, on the other hand, it also made complete sense. Yes, which is kind of the conundrum about the well, whole thing. And, and that's the thing. You're right with with Babylon Five and Lockley. She comes in fifth season because one of the other main characters leaves, and my, J. Michael always had a trapdoor trapdoor trapdoors, and is gr- bringing her in made good sense. And I get you want drama there. I don't know why you had to do that particular. Why you have, to have of, that kind of connection? That, that particular connection. It does seem like you have the potential to be especially um, contrived in a sense if there's if there has to be a previous connection to, especially yeah. a family one. Especially in all, the the biggest one of the revolution. There was a friend who portrayed her, and it was like you just do that for so you have something to do this episode, and okay, and then the next like. Honestly, like the next episode or maybe two episodes later, the one of the main characters' dad's working for the Patriots. Which then the next the episode after they do a flashback and it makes perfect sense. But the flashback happens after the fact. Before mm. you're here's what I, I feel like and when I brought this up to Tim, Tim's like, you know, a lot of people are gonna think Lost was just made up and you know. <laughs> which okay. But here's I guess here's my thing. Lost answers questions or not. <laughs> um that <laughs> You were asking mm-hmm. that they had purposely brought up. I mean, they didn't answer all of them, or, or, or people wouldn't be so mad. But, but they would give a flashback that was a surprising. But you had expected, okay, how did Ben become this way? There must have been something interesting. Yeah, I wasn't asking what's up with her dad. There was no. Oh, I. There see. was no hints of like something's weird going on. You know, two little scenes previously. You know, in some other episodes, and I would have bought it. 
Right. Just you know, a little bit of foreshadowing. Just, just a little, yeah. Because I'll buy, because I know you don't want to give it away, and but as long as I'm asking the question. Well, and I guess the sense of of continuity is important there too, the foreshadowing. Because like you don't you don't always want foreshadowing to feel like, hey, this is foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's important that the story feels like it's you know it's continuing. You're, you're creating a fictional yeah. time um, line, basically. Yeah. And if if something that happens that fits in that is similar or you know that relates to something that was previously established in mm-hmm. your timeline, then you know it it feels real. It feels yeah. uh, continuous. And, and I think I think my problem here was just it felt continuous once we saw the flashback. We saw the flashback after the twist. Mm. And you felt like you're patching things you're up. You're patching, and maybe they weren't. Maybe they'd always planned it, but yeah. it felt like they were patching things up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't. I think maybe that's the real problem with it. That that feel that because here's the thing. You know that uh, Chekhov's gun. Okay. You yeah. know you put the gun on the wall and you go, oh, I get shot off by Act Three or whatever. Right. This is a uh, this is a delicate balance in stories. I think that stories people expect everything in a story to have a use. Mm-hmm. But they don't want to know and easily connect the use too early or too late or too much. Yes. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, you know, that sort of thing with Rumpelstiltskin's dad. Mm-hmm. The connections are almost too much now. Yeah, right. You know, or um, Thor, The Dark World. Okay. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me much, but I, 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 it stood out very strongly that they're, they had the whole thing. They're on this planet. They had fought off the bad guy and Loki had perished or not and um they walk into a cave and immediately phone rings and they're exactly in the one spot in the entire universe where this like riff in space exists <laughs> and grant okay they set up the riff in space previously that's good right. and they've set up this boy who would call her previously which is good yeah but of all the play you know of all the gin joints in all the world you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, that's where the convenience of moving the story along f- felt very thin. Right. And I could certainly see that. I don't know that I thought of it when I saw I don't, it in a theater. I don't normally think like that, but for some reason, I did, and I don't... My mind was just thinking like that. I, I guess for me, the reason why I didn't think... Well, I, I guess I didn't think about it necessarily at that point. Um, well, maybe I did a little. I forget. <laughs> but, you know, there's... Because it did sort of establish that it's all around Britain. Although I guess I don't know how you how you you rationalize it that they happen to. I guess I guess my thinking was that all these rifts probably con- congregate around the same place or, or well, similar area. No, I mean that, I know, that makes sense. It's, it's one of those things that again, like two lines might have fixed. Right. <laughs> you know, just like this is the you know this were the old the battle for la- you know the we had met for the battle. The first a thousand years ago, and so well, and honestly, everyone knows that all like all connections to you know other planets outside worlds go through Britain anyway. Well, Doctor Who is a pretty well established. Well, that. and the, you know the Britain half doesn't bother me; it's the alien half that bothered me. Yeah, because the, we knew it, they were all in Britain. I was fine with that. You tell yeah. me, you know, here's the thing: the story. You tell me, you know. Riff will open up wherever you walk. Well, I'll buy it well, because it's Thor. Well, what I mean is, like they they were probably pretty close to that wherever they went to the dark world from Asgard. Wherever that rift was, might have been also close to the rift that led to Britain. Is when it. Oh, maybe okay. So I mean, yeah, I was, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. But and and I thought I love the end of them riffing and going in and out the holes. Yeah, the Remark remarkably convenient use of the portal. <laughs> I mean, they, everyone comes up right where they need to, and they don't. Yeah. You know, airplanes don't get lost on other plans for thousands of years or anything like that. Which none of them like show up in, like in the middle of the sky or something. And that's where that's where you're getting nitpicky. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. You're playing story logic, but again, continuum. Some people probably watch that who are very logical minded. And, I don't think that's fair for a movie like Thor. No. It's, but but it's, that one yeah. scene was just like, it rubbed a little thin. I think that's, you know, what, too little butter and too much bread. Yeah. In from uh, You don't want that mm-hmm. as much as possible. Right. And it's hard, especially in a movie where you want everything to have a purpose and you want things to move as quick as possible. You don't want to see people traveling or trying, you know, trying desperately to get home if that's not the point of your movie. Right. So... In terms of using dramatic conventions, you're not just talking about setting up a twist here. You're also no. talking about... The uh, twists are the most obvious ones where I've seen it lately, I guess. Right. But yeah, any anything that where you're, you're personally shortcutting logic. You know, because it's what happens in stories. Mm-hmm. You don't... You don't like we said in the previous podcast. We're not trying to be realistic in a non-realistic right. story. And and you can't worry. Sometimes you can't worry too much about about cliches and, and yeah. originality because you know that's worrying about that stuff just gets in the way of the story you're trying to tell. It was interesting. Um, Wheel of Time, just to bring that up randomly. The, uh, the series that you keep talking about. I, that I know. No I do. Read. I know because because <laughs> like I like my TV series. I, there's there's some things I've fully invested in, and those I talk most about and other ones you know i don't know and 14 books give me a lot to talk about that's true so, that's true but there's a thing called tav Aaron. i won't say all the names right but these the, your three main characters they warp the pattern of the world around themselves which is an excuse for coincidences to happen around them Ooh, interesting so it helps you expect it and it's cool when it happens and it helps the author pro you know get people into places that they wouldn't necessarily logically be able to get to. Mm. You know, things happen like an improbability drive. Yeah. You know. I was just, just thinking very similar. Exactly. It's like a built-in one. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's certainly limits. He doesn't abuse it that I have no, that I noticed when I read through it the first time. But, you know, set up things like that. People buy it. You know, you, you're just lucky or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have a point with all this. I just think... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it is a very fine line. And, it is. Um, and I think... And as writers, I think... Um, there was a scene in, uh, that this, I was thinking about this, uh, our friend Greg, who was listening to podcasts, I was reading a script for his, um, masters. Right? Yes. MFA. M- yeah. So anyways, I was, there was one scene that I thought, look, this seems, this, you know, could possibly do, stretch the lines of probability a little bit. If you could just, well, two lines would fix it, mm-hmm. you know, because as a writer, there's, you, you know where you go and you know where you want to get to and you don't want to deal with all the in-betweens and mm-hmm. you find ways to get around it. And it makes sense to your head, but you have the whole world in your head. Yeah. And you're moving the world around. Well, and a lot of times... And having an outside, uh, an honest, oh, slightly yeah. skeptical person saying, really? You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and that, when I read Greg's script, I had a couple little things like that, too. I mean, he, it was a great script. Oh, no, it was a fabulous... And I'm not saying anything. I really enjoyed it. And uh, but, there's but, stuff you can do in my stories that you're like, you know, Natasha would be like... How would this work? You know. <laughs> oh yeah, she has a yeah. lot of those notes because Natasha's our main editor for and, chil- and, for Children of the Wells. And my wife is very logical. Her mind's very logical, and she'll make the connections and, when she needs to on that sort of stuff. And she, yeah, she's very good about that sort of thing. And speaking of Children of the Wells, hopefully, like if you've been reading it, here's a little plug-in to kind of you know. Children of the Wells.com. So if you haven't, go ahead and start. But you know, 
we've got kind of a big change in the works for the world of Children of the Wells, yeah. and not gonna say when it's gonna happen, but if you're, you know, if you read certain sections, we knew it was gonna be a big shift that that we needed to have some foreshadowing. And we've been trying it. to, yeah, set that up. Yeah, well, and, and except without necessarily, you know, no telegraphing that we're yeah. setting it up. Yeah. yeah, you you want things. The best is when you can look back and be like, oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, when I wrote Select's Bodyguard, I remember thinking at the end that I wasn't sure people were going to buy it. When uh, Bron, there was those steps to take him down into the well. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, I felt like it was a very thin line between just being coincidental to help me get him down, which it kind of was mm -hmm. from writing point of view, and not. And how I worked it out in my head, and I think it worked, but no one complained yet, is that there's some talk about, you know, faith and you're meant to be, you know, this sort of like miracle sort of talk going on. Uh -huh. And it's almost a, a setup for the last scene from Clea's point of view. And I figure there is things in the world that would make sense. Clea talks about, you know, stuff. and Yeah, but I, Clea I felt, always has a scientific explanation and, and for I, everything. But anyway, I felt that scene was getting dangerously close to being convenient. Too convenient. Yeah. yeah. And it may have been. And I think that's why as writers... You know we, you know the middle, the middle of any story is a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's what you you like. I have this cool scene here that starts the drama. This cool scene where I want it to end, and I gotta get through this, and I don't want to lose tension. Mm -hmm. So you, you know, you, we find ways to to compress it, and sometimes compressions are show the story show the work in the story too much yeah well and like i remember you said in one of our discussions sometimes people don't want to be able to see you pulling the strings yeah. they want to feel like it's all organic yeah. now i mean granted when you're you know when you're studying as an english major you'll see the strings being pulled but you shouldn't be able to see it otherwise right yeah and then well yeah and that's always tricky for the people who have had that education to yeah and not go ruin it for everyone yeah, else yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly and you can ruin you know you can you can still play the English professor sometime too, but yeah. So yeah, I guess it was more of a just a. I wanted to kind of talk it out, and I think really foreshadowing is always the best, even a little bit. Mm -hmm. Just or or making sure that people are asking the questions, right? That you're even even if they don't know they're asking it consciously, that there's a space set up for them for this thing to fit in, right? And like in, in Children of the Wells, I mean, like I said, we didn't want to telegraph that we were foreshadowing. But now, actually, I think this week, aren't we in, like, chapter three? Yeah, that is getting change, much more Where blunt. someone actually starts talking about it. Talking about something. Yeah. So, again, read Children of the Wells. It, it's actually really good stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and you can download them if you don't like to read them on the web. So. Yeah. And so, unfortunately, we don't, we don't have audio versions of them. No, we yet. should some one day. Maybe. Maybe. If uh, we have some voice over people yeah, that'd be awesome. that listen to us. Yeah. Or yeah. well, we just really just need one narrator. Yeah. For each one. Well, we need a guy and a girl, that's, probably, because yeah. we have different points of view. Yeah, that's true. Especially Select Bodyguard. Yeah, exactly. so, yeah, and some of the other ones would be helpful. That like, would help. it would be nice if, like, my new one, Wells Orphan, was not... Um, read by a guy. Read by a guy. <laughs> wouldn't make much sense. <laughs> no, that's this true. This first person from Kalia's point of view. And that was another one where there's another scene where it's like, is this too convenient? You know, because <laughs> it, it, it is a struggle. I mean, I don't want to blame writers for making it convenient, because it's... You want to just hit the high points. Well, it is kind of funny that, you know, there's um, there is sort of a tendency to think right these times that if some things are going too well for your heroes and something's wrong. Yeah. Like something terrible is about to happen. And, and I was struggling with that with 
I guess I'll go ahead and make an announcement here. I am actually working on a book for Children of the Wells, and I was working on an outline recently, mm-hmm. and it's overall a pretty, you know, it's a it's a more upbeat book yeah. than some of the others in the series. Yes. <laughs> and but then I started wondering, well, is that bad? <laughs> did, did I, am I making things too easy for them? And I don't think it will be, but I mean, it'll it'll be a lighter lighter romp, yeah. I think. It, yeah, and it's always you know the style you've set up. You know, yes. And yeah, I won't add to that. <laughs> but I know there's these two characters meet in my novel. Um, and it's kind of coincidental that they meet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, I kind of have them talk about that because there is sort of this underlying theme again with Kalia of this, like, she's like, what's my purpose? And there's the other people trying to talk about God and all this other stuff. So I try to play it into that. And actually, and he says, the guy who she meets, he's like, I go here all the time. You're the one out of place. And you know how she got there. So I, we'll see if it works. We'll see what my wife says. So, <laughs> see what your editor has to see say. See what about. my editor has to say. Exactly. So, Well, I, hope, I don't know if we came to a resolution no. there. Aside from foreshadowing is usually better than yes, not. <laughs> it is usually better than not. Yeah. Or, or at least just being aware where the places are thin and seeing if there's ways you can... You know, being aware that this is convenient for, you know, maybe, I mean, not that it could be, maybe it's not easy, but just like. The more, con- you, the more you can put yourself in your audience's yeah. shoes, the better. Yeah. And especially when it comes to big reveals. Because, because, because they want to be able to trust. Well, and the other thing is I feel like I want, I don't want entertainment to destroy people's logic. Mm. You know, I don't want entertainment to, where people turn off their logic brain and mm. they just go with the flow. Yeah, I feel like while there are conventions in stories and plays and and whatever, there should be still you shouldn't have to turn off your brain to make it work. Yeah. So. Fair enough. All right, there we go. Oh yeah, I'm doing the first soundtrack. Yes, right? you are. All right. So um, I really had no idea what to do for soundtrack tonight. So there's no foreshadowing. Uh, but there is a theme. There is a theme. A theme song. <laughs> for soundtrack. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes. Here there's we go. Soundtrack. Tim, thank you for keeping me honest. I am completely off my rocker now. So, um, but I thought since I was saying that, you know, making sure they're asking the question beforehand, um, the song of my remix is called Lake in Ontario. It's a question. I don't know why it's a question. We don't know what Lake in Ontario they're referring to. Um, but it's, oh God. There's not much foreshadowing to this, honestly. <laughs> that's, that's a very loose uh, excuse. I'm trying. I'm trying the best I have. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, it's called Lake in Ontario, and it's a remix from Final Fantasy X, remixed by Ilpo, or it might be a zero at the end. It might be I-L-P-0. I'm not really sure at all. Uh, but I hope you enjoy. <laughs>
All right, it is time now for the part you've all been waiting for. I wonder if Killing Time Tim gets the right sound going. <laughs> What if? So, um, we haven't done what if for a while. This is the part of the show where we just make up something ridiculous and brainstorm what it would be like in real life. Um, not quite like the Skixies thing, but that actually existed in real life. That's true. Which, yeah. that was a crackpot's corner we decided. Yeah, yeah. Because it was not exactly ours. Like, one what if was... Uh, our, our favorite what-if of all time <laughs> was if uh, Michael Bay directed Wizard of Oz. That was terrifying, but yes. it was very... What, do you know what episode that is, if they want to go back and listen to that? Uh, it's the action-related one. The action it's like movie cap one? Capers, Pythons, and something. Okay. Oh, my. Oh, my. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought... Um, uh, <laughs> for some reason, we get to my little pet peeves on this show a lot. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't even have that many. But um, in honor of The Hobbit coming out soon, or Hobbit Part to the, the movie inspired the, by the, the Hobbit. movie inspired by the Hobbit, also including most other things in Middle Earth besides the Hobbit, um, <laughs> and even more than the appendix have. Um, we thought we'd try to pick some other good classic books and see how many movies we would get out of those as well. So, so um, we were having a little trouble figuring it out. We were trying uh, <laughs> to figure this out during the soundtrack, actually. So this this will be a very live episode of Your Old Trains of Live as we kind of figure this out. So, but you you suggest Tom Sawyer. Yeah. See, Tom Sawyer says it's a trilogy because it has to be at least a trilogy to oh, make yeah, money. Oh, yeah, certainly. And yeah. then after, you follow that with, you know, the, the, the sequel trilogy of Huckleberry, Huckleberry Finn, Finn. yeah. Which, actually, Huckleberry Finn, well, it'd still be a stretch, but because, you know, Huckleberry Finn has, like, multiple stories in yeah, it. Anyway. You, you, yeah. I guess either one of them kind of do. Yeah. But I don't know if you can make... I mean, obviously a whole movie would be just about Tom and Becky in the caves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be the last one. Yeah, that'd be the fi finale. Like, like the three hours the, of them in the caves. The long chase where their conflict with Injun Joe finally comes into, <laughs> into the, to a head. And somehow there'd be dynamite in the cave, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, every other... Like, probably by the time that you get to the third movie, you would know every person who lived in Tom Sawyer's yeah. hometown well, and, well, and each would have their own dramatic arc they go through well, as they were searching for Tom and Becky yeah, in the yeah, cave. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> I think the second the second movie though would have to there'd be like a half hour where Tom Sawyer was dead. <laughs> and then like the entire like last 15 minutes is him like rising from the dead in that funeral scene and all this, you know, so it's a very, you know, and then like as it's fading out there's Injun Joe. No, <laughs> he's not dead either. Yeah. <laughs> or so, like his like, you, you know, you just see his foot stomp on the ground or something. So like so that. you know because to hang a whole movie on lots of stories, you'd have to connect them. You know, so mm -hmm. obviously Becky would have to be a love interest. Oh yeah, well yeah. she always sort of is. Yeah but... yeah, but I mean you have to really play it. Oh right right right. You right, know, right. and probably have some other. Other girls that he, you know. And, you know, and keeping with movie traditions, probably Tom and Becky would really be played by actors who are like 19, 20. Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. I almost certainly. <laughs> um, and probably be, well, and um, his, uh, who does he live with? His aunt? Aunt Polly, I believe. Yeah, she would have to be uh, played by, you know... Oh, some probably very... Meryl Streep or... Uh, or, or, or um, Sally Field, maybe. Or who played the McGonagall in the Harry Potter movies? I have no idea. Okay, I like her. Um, she's also in Downton Abbey. What is her name? 
Oh, that that old British lady yeah. that's in everything? Yeah. <laughs> She'd be British. I, why not? It's a great American novel. No, wait. You're not talking about Harriet Jones, Prime Minister. No, not you? her. The other one. Oh, okay. The other old lady, who's yeah. in, British lady who's in everything. Yeah, exactly. Besides Judy Dench. Yeah, we, we, let's get her. Okay. <laughs> Judy Dench in, in uh, small town Mississippi. <laughs> I, I totally want to see that now, actually. <laughs> but, like, the first movie, like, there would have to be a... The, uh, the two hour long it had to, it would have to be focused around painting the picket fence <laughs> I mean that would be the central conflict <laughs> so wow I'm trying to I'm not sure how you stretch that one out <laughs> well I'm not sure well he doesn't he doesn't just want to it's like, maybe maybe you know, it's like it's a it's whole like, it's like Forrest Gump when he's getting you know box of chocolate things so uh-huh. like between him doing each post, there's like an entire story that runs away and then gets dragged back to it. Okay. So so, it, so it's called Tom Sawyer, White Picket Fence, episode well, one. I kind of imagine Tom Sawyer is eventually going to like organize all the children to this town in like this massive battle against the adults. Oh, yeah. And at the end, the adults will all be like, oh, you're right. These kids were totally, you know, they knew yeah. what, what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. We knew at least one massive battle every movie <laughs> yeah exactly so first one between the, like the kids and the and, and tom sawyer or... would have to have massive character growth yeah. you know over right. the time mm-hmm. you'd go from like being a just this little lazy punk to to like a like a rich well-informed lazy punk yeah exactly yeah, yeah with uh you know with becky hanging off his arm and all that yeah okay so, i think so that's the tom sawyer trilogy tom what, about, sawyer. what about the huck finn trilogy huck finn trilogy well i think you spend you spend the whole first movie with him and his dad, and it's this deep drama there. Ooh, okay. And then the end is when he gets away on the raft with. Okay. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of like, town intrigue and maybe a murder mystery. Maybe yeah. his his dad killed someone. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I can see that I can see kind of the second movie being sort of Huck wanders into this town that's become over, you know, controlled by this religious zealot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so once again, Huckleberry Finn is being oppressed by the man. This time the man is religion. Yeah. And you ah, have to, I like that. So you have to overthrow that. And then the third part, obviously, would be back with uh, uh, Tom Sawyer, mm-hmm. who's the, the rich, filth, uh, filthy, rich, um, well-informed, lazy punk. Yeah. And he's being pushed down by his own kind. Yeah. Well, but, and then but, and then but, and then he rises up and he steals all Tom Sawyer's people, so he can combine them all into a six movie. Ooh, nice. Yeah. A six movie epic. Epic. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I, I almost want to see this. <laughs> well, the thing is, though, the the end of the end of well, it'll be tricky though because like. The end of the Huckleberry Finn, the whole saga thing, not only are they, like, rising up against all these people, they're also, like, you know, freeing the slaves. Yeah. So. Well, maybe maybe Tom Sawyer wants to keep the slave down. Yeah. Not, he, yeah because he's, he's become, like, a white capitalist. Yeah, With exactly. all his money. Oh, so, oh, there we go. And there's nothing like some sort of, you know, race fight to really get a award to finish off this uh, sixth movie. Exactly. Epic. <laughs> Boy, uh, our uh, our politics are sort of <laughs> creeping in here, aren't they? <laughs> okay, let's write one more famous book. Um, you know, there. Did you know that Tom Sawyer? This is I don't know. Well, maybe I don't know the story well enough to say what yeah. the movie would be like. But did you, did you know that Mark Twain actually did write some sequels to? There's like he's a spy or something. He's what? Well, like, there's one where he's a detective. There's one that's like it takes on like a, this H.G. Wells sort of thing where they're in like an airplane or something that goes that flies to Europe. 
Really? Yeah. I don't know that. I, I found it in the library once. It's, I mean, it's, it sounds like something that Hollywood would come up with, but no, Mark Twain came up with it. Interesting. So I guess, you know. Well, well I, then you could have a nine movie. I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? Just milk it. <laughs> Just go. <laughs> Tom Sawyer 27. <laughs> It's like James Bond, but... I, yeah, apparently, yeah. I mean, milking your characters goes a long way back. Oh, yeah. No, certainly. Certainly does. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't think Sherlock Holmes... I don't know. think there's any story, popular story, that has not been... Because people want... They like the, they like to see their favorite characters over and over again. Oh, sure. And they want them doing different stuff, but not too different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know. Not too different. Okay, so what's another classic book that we can do? Classic book. I'm trying to not pick some random Dostoevsky or something. Those could be three movies. <laughs> <I> so, <know. laughs> yeah. That, well, honestly, we were Lord of the Rings could have been six movies. No, no, it legitimately should have been six movies. Like you could have done one for each book in each book. Yeah. Like, and, and then well, two. The movie, Hobbit could have been one. Yeah. <laughs> and we would have ended up with the same number instead of, you know, wanting to make six Lord of the Rings and then just putting the Hobbit name on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm not really that bitter, everyone, but because well, it's just... I, I'm very here's the thing, I'm very fond of The Hobbit because I identify with Bilbo Baggins. I love the sort of you know the clumsy goes into it character, and I grew up on the Hobbit cartoon, which I still think is the most. I mean, it, it misses stuff, but it's very faithful to the book, honestly. And certainly, yeah, in terms of tone, in tone, yeah, and in, in tone especially. And I think, I think the tone bothers me more than the stuff that it's missed yeah i mean it it's cool that peter jackson wants to film the appendices to lord of the rings but then they should be something different i mean you know yeah. what people wouldn't care you could have said lord of the rings you know the fall of gondor yeah and you know and no one but geeks would understand it but they'd be like lord of the rings let's go yeah you well, know or lord of the rings legless lives i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean it and I wouldn't even have felt bad about it because no, no, because I mean it would have been a separate thing. I mean I don't I don't begrudge like all the Lord of the Rings video games yeah. that are out there. But if you're gonna if you're gonna call make a movie The Hobbit and say this is in the same plateau as the previous Lord of the Rings movies, it's and, not. And I think the tone is what bothers me more than anything. Like yeah. the best parts of the first one were when it was like like the ho- bag end was awesome. Yeah, you know, and some of the other pieces that felt very Hobbit. You know, Bilbo Baggins ish. Um, I know someone, someone, people were telling me back. Oh, Lord, uh, Tolkien was trying to rewrite it to be more like Lord of the Rings, and then I, I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. I'll go look it up. And apparently he did, except he stopped because everyone told him it didn't sound like The Hobbit anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. yes, <laughs> he understood. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so oh, sorry, <laughs> digress. Amazing on Dural trains of thought. <laughs> Funnily enough, I, I'm not sure we actually go as derailed no, as we often no, say we do. No, we'd like to play it up. Yeah. Okay, so I don't know Great Gatsby enough. I would like to make that into three movies. Yeah, well, I don't know it at all, really. I was trying to think of one that we would both Or How, know. How to the Baskervilles. Do you know that one? Uh, Talk about Sherlock Holmes. A little, a little bit. Or, what um, about Hamlet? Ha- oh, you know, I thought of Hamlet. Yeah, Hamlet is three. We could, three, mo- okay, I mean, okay, so how many acts is it? It's, it's five acts. Okay, so you, oh, five movies. Five, yeah, <laughs> there we go. And the thing with Hamlet is though, while nothing happens in Hamlet, because he can't ever make a decision, yeah. <laughs> you would have to make a lot happen with nothing happening to make the movies work. Mm. What if, I'm sort of picturing... I'm kind of picturing Hamlet going like going through you know all his ruminations, all his indecisions, while like f- 
while on a like in a war zone. Well, or, because the, there's warriors coming, so we need to have what you need is all the characters, you know, Laertes and Ophelia and his dad before he died. I mean, here's the thing: you're gonna need massive amounts of flashbacks every time he's run, he's ruminating yes, and doing stuff. Yes. Just you know, like. 30 minutes of flashback about his dad and his mom and the wars they fought and all this stuff. Uh-huh. Um, you know, when he picks up York's skull, you know, you need a 20-minute flashback of him and York when he was a kid. Right. Um, I mean, basically, it's sort of like you wouldn't even really have to change the story much. You're just adding things you to just it. You're just adding math? Yeah. It's, it's like, well, it's, you, you need to have some very steamy scenes between him and Ophelia before she goes oh, to the okay. and stuff like that. True, true. But, I mean, it's it's like what uh, your sister was saying the other day about... Uh, Pride and Prejudices and Zombies. Yeah. You, just, you use the original text. You just add, you know, yeah. like there, and then there was an explosion. And, then, well, and yeah. then at the end, you know, and for last movie, when, you know, basically everyone dies in Hamlet. Oh, yeah. But, you know, they do it in like this, you know, it's a stage, it's this it's like duel, you know, it's kind poison. of. It's, it's kind of lame. So what you do, you have to do it, you do the same sort of poison and duels, but you have it on the battlefield. So you yeah. have like thousands of people in you, you know, you have that scene about. About an hour in, where the both bat- armies are running at each other, screaming. There's that music, and they hit each other and clash. And then you know, there's all this fighting with characters that were made up for the movie, uh-huh. and they die or live or both. Right. And then finally, Hamlet gets and meets uh, Ford and Brass or whoever it is, and they fight. And then you know, yeah, I, I think that's that's yeah. gonna be happening. And you can have poison here. going on, and you know, all kinds of stuff. Oh, sure, sure. Well, and you should probably, you know, you probably need some people from, you know, like when they have the play in mm-hmm. Act Three. Or four, I think it's three. You need to have, you know, the play within play can be an entire separate movie. Oh yeah, it could be a movie of its own. It could be a spinoff. It could be a TV series. Oh, there you go. go. It could be about the actors go and do these plays, and it'd be like, you know, Agents (laughs) of Shield, but it's like the players of Hamlet. The play's the thing. The play's the thing. That, that's probably that's a tagline. Like, and and they're they're or doing the, no. The, the series, here's the thing. Yeah. Just, no, skip that. You know, do the Hamlet movies, but then you have the plays. You know, the players of Hamlet or the players of Denmark, I guess. Yeah. Um. Something's rotten in Denmark. <laughs> I was waiting. I know. Uh, <laughs> and then, but here's the thing: they do plays, but they're actually secret agents doing. Doing undercover, oh, they're stealing intel nice. during it. So I it's like, like it. the plays like the it. thing. So it's the cover, uh-huh. and that'd be a great TV show. I would watch. And that. Hamlet could come on every once in a while and just kind of talk and not do anything, and they could leave. <laughs> It'd be awesome. Complain about how they messed up his. Uh, his and Rosencrantz and Guildenstern could be like like um, Rosencrantz and Guildenstern could be the Colson of that show. Yes. I, okay. Okay, so you do the movies, and I'll do the TV show. We'll be rich. Yeah, we'll be set. We'll be set. <laughs> All right. You're on a roll tonight. I am on a roll tonight. <laughs> well, I know Hamlet pretty well, so yeah. that helps. <laughs> I know Hamlet, but, I mean, not, we, probably not that well. That, my English teacher, we spent like a month and a half on it, and it sank in pretty good. Okay, well, so, that's, that's And then good. watched Tenet like a year ago, which helped. Yeah, that yeah. Kind of, is is actually a remarkably good play. Yeah. Oh, oh definitely. I would like to, on a related unrelated note, I'd like <laughs> to watch King Lear sometime because I didn't study that one, but we I had read it for a class and we just talked about it for like a day. Mm-hmm. That one's pretty interesting too, with him yelling at the storm and the gesture and everything. I need to catch up on some sheet. Well, funny. I haven't read anything since college. I would like to go back and read some of them. <laughs> yeah. I'd like, probably like them better now. In high school, I did. I did. 
because you know everyone's supposed to read like two in high school. I, I wound up reading two that I don't think as many people, nearly as many people re- read. I did uh, Julius Caesar and uh, The Taming of the Shrew. You know, I've seen Taming of the Shrew several times. I have never read any of the histories. Oh, oh yeah. Julius Caesar is, uh, I can't say, it was the first one I read, so I can't say it stuck with me as much as Taming of the Shrew, because we did a whole class on Taming of the Shrew. Julius Caesar I just read. Yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, there's certainly, I mean, you always remember your A2 Brute and, yeah. and all that good stuff. Yeah, War Shakespeare would be a good thing to read. Be I, you know, I read, I read some of the comedies and some of the drama, most of the big dramas. I never read, like, what's the one that's on the island? Um, oh, A Midsummer's Night's Dream? No, that's a comedy. Oh, okay. I don't think this one. Anyways, I forget now. I'll, I'll, I'll kick myself later. I mean, the but... other one that, like, everybody has read is Macbeth, and I don't think I've read Yeah, I read, Ma- I read Macbeth. I thought, I thought that was good. Um, but yeah, Hamlet and King Lear are my favorites currently. So. Okay. All right. So. Well, I think that's probably so, good enough. Yeah, so you can do it with anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know, one one that that they have turned into a two sort of a two movie thing, Treasure Island. A two movie thing? Well, I saw it on Netflix once. I, I I actually only watched the one part of it, but they they did like the one part was just getting to the island, and the second part was okay. all the island. You know, stuff. and here's the thing: we're a little more forgiving of making TV s- s- miniseries. Yeah. Like you know, Pride and Prejudice is six. Hours or five and a half hours or whatever. Right. You know, and that makes sense because then you're... Or Anne of Green Gables. Yeah, Anne of Green Gables. You know, that makes sense to me. And I don't... I think I would have been fine with making The Hobbit two two movies. Three seems an awful lot. Three, yeah. Three is... I, like right, two, when they said it. two originally, I'm like, okay, that way you can get everything in. Mm-hmm. But they get more than everything in and they have to make major character... Major... Like, the, people complain that Tolkien doesn't do much character development. But... Yeah, that's right. the that story. Yeah. I mean, it's an adventure story. You don't have to make it, make it what it is, and not what it isn't. Yeah, I guess. it's a different tradition. It's yeah. a different tradition than the modern one. It's it's unfortunate when people feel like they have to make everything modern now. Yeah, like I mean, I can see updates, but you're already going to have. There's already you're already fighting spiders and dragons and the war five. You know, I fully expect the war five armies to last. Yeah. Talk about unnecessary yeah. foreshadowing or, you know, connections. Uh, that whole connection thing with the, whatever that orc or the, the goblin oh, yeah. or whatever it is that has the hook hand that is going after uh, Thorin. That's, yeah, I mean. It's ridiculous. It does, we don't, I mean, I guess we'll add some sort of emotional end at the, you know, they're always trying, on action movie, there's not this action movie, and I'm going to something else, but action movies, they always want to make some emotional thing at the end, and sometimes they'll pull out the weirdest thing to make it like, <laughs> Oh, I really feel bad at this point. I'm really connected to this person I just met five hours ago. And, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, okay. I bear. We're rambling. So. Yeah, we are rambling a bit. So, um, contact info. All right. You can always visit us on our website, derailedtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. Uh, leave us a comment. You can email us at derailedtrains at gmail.com, which I have not checked lately no <laughs> we keep saying we really do have an email address we really so. do i actually looked at it a while ago but yeah i think i might have checked it since the last one i think about it um and then uh there's also the itunes we are on itunes so subscribe to us we would there. love you to subscribe this episode yeah. will hopefully come out later this week uh share us with all your friends and relatives and dogs enemies yeah <laughs> if you don't like it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Share with them anyway. Maybe it'll do them some good. You love your enemies. Exactly. Exactly. Keep burning coals in their head. <laughs> okay. Okay. 
Um, so for my soundtrack today, I'm hoping I didn't pick this one because this is an old uh, OC remix. It dates back to 2001, so it's like 12 years old. Wow. Yeah. I remember like early on when it came out. I think. Yeah. When it, I, I picked this one because uh, it starts, it sort of starts off with a skit. Of this guy's like going through radio station and he's listening to. Uh, it turns out each radio station has some Mega Man, which is what this song is from. This song is called Needles. If I didn't mention that before, and it's from Mega Man Three. It's a ridiculously fun song. It is a very fun song, and he's like tuning it, you know, hearing some conventional things. And see, I I went with I said say conventional because I thought that was more the direction we were going to go with. And oh. We wound up doing more. I thought we were going to talk more about cliches. Okay, yeah. And we wound up talking about something else. But anyway, so it doesn't really fit, but it's a fun <laughs> song anyway. So I hope you'll enjoy it. Our theme today is things that don't fit. <laughs> well, music-wise, anyway. Yeah. You picked a tricky topic. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> so do you have any idea what we're going to do next time? I have an idea, actually. Oh, you have an idea? Okay, cool. Yeah. I kind of have that idea, too. But we'll Okay, we'll take yours next, since I just did we'll, well, we'll we'll talk about okay. it. We'll see. We'll figure out which one works best for end of the year type okay. stuff. Oh, mine be, doesn't work for end of the year. It'll be a idea. December sort of oh, thing. Oh, that's true. So, All right. Anywho, this has been Derailed Trains of Thought. Uh, Nick, what's the most improbable way that we will leave here? Uh, via um, Spaghetti Strainer. Okay. Well, we'll see what happens. So this has been Tim. This has been Nick. And we will see you next time. Adios. Hey, man, it ain't no party without any music. Turn on the radio, huh? Are you sure you want me to turn it on? All I get is AM radio. Come on! Okay. Whatever. Okay, guys. Just tell me to stop. Nightcap del Norte, Nate Cloudy Mustin, Needles.